Welcome in, listeners, to another amazing episode of Whisper in the Wings. We are joined by two incredible guests. Uh, joining us today is the actress Austin Highsmith Garces and the Tony Award-winning playwright Warren Light. Both are working on the new show Homefront, which is playing January 13th through February 19th at the Victory Theater in Burbank, California. Austin Warren, thank you so much for joining us today. This is, I'm, I'm a gog. This is an honor. Welcome. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you for having us. <laughs> I, I cannot believe I'm speaking to such great talent today. Um, I mean, Austin, I, I've known you for so many years, I feel like. <laughs> through the screen <laughs> of course Ward. i mean you're you're a legend in the theater so i it's incredible to to be speaking to you both here so i appreciate you taking the time to speak to us and about this great new show homefront which i'm so excited for you to share with our listeners um Ward, would you mind telling us a little bit about what homefront is about sure uh briefly and without giving away the the tragic underpinnings it's about uh um an interracial couple that meets on the night World War II ends on DJ night in a bar in, in Times Square. Uh, and it's a night where, and, and we've seen the famous photos of the kiss in Times Square. It's a night where we, of, of seemingly infinite possibility. And so these two people who normally might not have dared look at each other, he's a one of 13 black naval officers in the United States. At that, mm. at that moment in American history, there were 100,000 black sailors below deck and 13 naval officers. So he's one of a very elite group and he meets Annie Overton played beautifully by Austin, who's been a, a major part of the home front during the war. She's been a pharmacist assistant and they meet and there's chemistry and it's, uh, and, and for one moment, there's the hope that, that, that's great things can come at this time in American history. And then it's the reality of the next two years of the backlash toward uh, all of the rights that black soldiers thought they had won because they'd fought in World War II. And right. so it, it's, it's uh, um, set against that. There's a, and there's a neighbor. So there's a neighbor who is based on my uh, gay uncle Edward, who was a medic in World War II. And so the, the three characters are all based on people I, or, or either amalgams of people I knew growing up or my actual uncle. Uh, and it, it's, it's, there are three people none of whom were handed a, a good hand in our society in 1940 at birth at, at that time. And, and it's, and they're all, and basically those are the only three characters we meet in the play. And it's watching this relationship get stressed by the changes in our society, the, the backlash that comes back, the, 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 uh, the rise, the, the return of Jim Crow after world war II. Wow. Oh, what a timely work. What, how did you come up with the idea for the show? You know, the first scene what I wrote a long time ago, and it was the two of them meeting in a nightclub. And I wrote it initially for a benefit. It was, um, uh, it was, it was just a, it was a benefit set on VJ night. It was a, it was a benefit for an off-Broadway off theater company I was a member of. And everybody had to write a VJ, a scene about the end of the war. It was an excuse to sing great songs, basically. And so... Um, I wrote, so everyone wrote whatever they wrote and I wrote this scene and I don't know at the time, I'm not sure how, where it came from in my head, but that scene still opens the play. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very, it's a scene that takes you to a place 
it, it trans, I, ideally, if, with the good actors I have with CJ Lindsay and with Austin, uh, it, it, it transports you to a, a, a feeling of hope. And I would say for the next 10 years, people came up to me and said, when are you going to turn that into a full length play? And, and I, I resisted because that's a night of infinite possibility, but I had this, the, the real understanding from interracial couples I had known as a kid but I, or the children of those couples and that sort of thing, I knew it wouldn't go well. And I kind of didn't want to put them through what I knew was coming. And then, uh, and then I did. Uh, and it took a while. As it, all my plays take forever to get productions. I, I, I don't know why, but they always <laughs> do. And so uh, I had a, an earlier version of this, had a production a long time ago in Cincinnati and it went over well. And then as, as was the case with Sideman, it was turned down by every theater in New York. And so uh, uh, I, I bided my time and I went and, you know, I, I've been working on Law & Order SVU for uh, the last hundred years or so. And I just left there in May and it was time to revisit the play. Austin had expressed interest in the play and she'll explain that part five years ago. And then uh, COVID hit, intervened and, and but here we are, and I'm thrilled, and it, it, I couldn't be happier to have it at this theater with this cast and with this director, who's ageless and wonderful, Maria Gobetti. Oh, she's she's amazing. And that is a perfect way to bring in uh, Austin. What has it been like developing this play? Well, I had very little to do with developing this play at all. Um, but Warren tweeted in September. I found that old tweet in September of 2018 that he was doing a reading of of um, another sort of edit of this show at the San Diego uh, North, so, North Coast Rec. Nice in San Diego. I can always get readings. I just can't get productions. That's. <laughs> <laughs> but I read his press release and I saw that it was about an interracial couple um, at the end of World War II. And I'm actually in an interracial marriage. So I was like, and my husband's an actor as well. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm going to figure out a way for my husband and I to be in this play together. So I tweeted at Warren and I said, you know, how can I get my hands on a copy of this play? And he said, well, from me after we do the reading. And um, so he sent it to me after he had done uh, another rewrite on it. And I just completely fell in love with this production or, 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 or this, uh, this play. And like I said earlier, I'm a uh, founding member of the Ruskin Group Theater in Santa Monica. Well, they had just gotten the rights to Guess Who's Coming to Dinner which is also a play about an interracial couple. So they were like, well, we'll, you know, we can do it in like 2024 or something like that. And I was like, eh, I don't want to wait that long. And shortly thereafter, Maria Gobetti from The Victory, because I've done several shows with them as well, emailed me and said, I'm looking for a play about an interracial couple. And I was like, I have got it. So during the pandemic, we did a lot of Zoom readings and, uh, you know, sort of workshopped it a little bit with Warren. My husband was was a part of those early workshops, but he uh, he couldn't be a part of this production. And we found the brilliant C.J. Lindsay. And here we are. What were you going to say, Warren? You say you didn't workshop it, but actually it was really helpful to me. There was a uh, to have that cast read it a few times on Zoom. I, I, I write by ear. I need to hear it. I no, I don't really think most writers can sit there and look at their script and know what to do. And then it really helps to hear it in front of an audience or to hear people coughing and yawning, that's a big tell. So so uh, to, to me, I found those readings helpful. And also I, I, I knew that uh, it, was, it was in good hands and that they, they were fully invested. There are, there are times people just show up for a gig and there are times where people are really engaged and invested. And it's the, 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 the latter times are much better for a playwright. <laughs> 
Oh, we, we are completely invested, 100%. <laughs> I love how all of that came together. That is absolutely amazing. I it's one of the three good things that's ever happened because of Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, I'm like, is there a message or a thought that you're hoping audiences will leave with when they leave? And why don't I start, Austin, with you for that? <laughs> well, for me, it's it's just about the the challenges that interracial couples and that that homosexuals faced then and still to some degree face now because i'm in an interracial marriage like it's it's very obvious to me when my husband and i walk into a place and people give a just a a completely clear judgment of us um as a couple we've we've worked together on numerous productions all over the country and you know, when we are in the South, because I'm from North Carolina, so it's it's very obvious when we walk into a place and, you know, where I'm from and people just sneer and it's it's like, mm-hmm. guys, it's just the color of skin he was born in. Can you just eat your burger? Yeah. You know, and we were actually in uh, in Florida shooting a movie that I wrote that he was also acting in. And we walked into a restaurant and you would have thought that, you know, I don't know, like we had set off a, a fire or something like that. I mean, with the, with the looks we were getting from these, these old women and I'm just going, we are still here and it's 2022. And I mean, as we know, just a couple of weeks ago, our president finally signed into law protection for my marriage and for homosexual marriage. I just can't believe that that's just now happening in 2022. And Warren has set this play in 1945 and we're still to some degree dealing with these issues. So for me, it's, it's, you know, how far we still have to go is the message that, that I think people will walk away with. A lot of theater lately has been addressing that where I'm like, progress, is it? Are, are we just making ourselves feel good or is it real progress? Let's, let's discuss that. Warren, how about you? Is there a message or a thought you would like the audiences to leave with? Well, a few things. First, you know, um, I think the show actually has, yeah, I, I, I grew up in a, much more, I think the time, the word at the time was integrated world than, than we all live in now. You know, my, uh, my dad was a jazz musician. My neighborhood was, and schools were very different. Now I think, unfortunately, it's, it's harder. I think the worlds have, have divided politically and, and socially and, and racially. So I wanted to honor these characters because they're people whose lives matter. But I, I, I and I, I think that does a lot of things. I think it talks about, I don't think many people are aware of how hard it was after World War II racially in America. I think that's an interesting thing to write about. I think how hard it was for soldiers to get topside, sailors to get topside. I think all that's interesting. Uh, I, I, but I, I hesitate to say I want people to get a message because I hate being told the play is about to give me a message. I, I, I don't want it, and I try very hard. There's a, It's a story, and I, I, I kind of want people to come to the play and worry about what happened. Oh my God, what's going to happen next to these people? I like these people. What's going to happen? I, I don't want it to feel, and I think with these actors and this production, it doesn't feel didactic. It takes place in this world with these issues, but I, I want them to understand these characters. And and it's pretty specific, the, the world that, that's created here. And my strange experience as a writer is the more specific you write it, uh, the more specifically you embody these characters as actors, as writer, director, the more universal it is to people and the, the more people can relate to this. And it, it, it's significant. One of the things I did on purpose that, that frustrated 
a few dramaturgs along the way, was we never see the people in power in this play. It's just these three marginalized folks. And mm. occasionally there's there's an, an, uh, an unseen interrogator or there's an unseen would-be boss or something like that. But we don't, we don't see them, we don't hear them. This is a play of people whose voices weren't heard at that time. Um, and so that was, that's important to me that the, the whole play goes by and there is no, look, it's 1945, it was a white straight male world. And that guy doesn't get to speak in this play, but we see the damage done because of that sort of imbalanced patriarchy. I get, but again, just go to the play and watch the story unfold. And, and if you are moved by it, uh, that makes me happy. And ideally you cry at the end. <laughs> that's a great point listen if if the previews are any indication there's going to be a lot of tears <laughs> yeah it's oh. a week I, I, it's a weekly yeah I, it's, but it's, it's also very funny it's well, that's also, my whole style it's funny yeah. and that's my whole writing style yeah actually. i love a show like that that uses like humor to let you to to have you get let your guard down and then all of a sudden you finish a show and you're just like emotionally vulnerable and you just you can't do anything but cry or what what get angry or what have you and you didn't realize that you got to that place of emotional vulnerability because they already like set you up by making you laugh the whole time. You know, I love shows like that. The last question I want to ask in this first part is who do you hope have access to the show? And I'm going to start Warren with you on that one. I don't want to preach to the converted. And, and that's always the risk. I, I saw To Kill a Mockingbird on Broadway pre-COVID. It was a Sunday matinee and I, I was pretty close to the front with my like nice tickets and i turned around at intermission and the audience was entirely white upper class uh and i just thought oh that's a shame uh, because they're watching what what has over time come to be seen i think as a white savior play anyway there's the, i would love for the play to get a nice a diverse audience uh, but by diverse i mean culturally racially economically you know uh it, it's it, i'd like an audience to, watching it to look around and see people not looking like them next to them. You know, the, 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 the risk with theater in, in New York, I don't know how the off-Broadway world works, the off-off-Broadway world works in Burbank in LA. I don't, it's, <laughs> it's, it's new to me. The risk with theater in New York, if, if it's Broadway, the audience tends to be older and, and, um, and whiter. Uh, and there's, I know the changes are happening in that and I hope they continue, but I'd like to see an audience of, uh, of people from all different worlds. You know, theater used to, blue collar people used to go see a play. They don't anymore. Uh, um, and, and, and so if you can write a play that tells a, a, a good story, that should, if, if word gets out that it's a good story, if it works, maybe you can get a, 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 a more diverse audience than I usually see at, at the, what I used to call it, the prescription houses in New York. <laughs> How about you, Austin? Uh, who do you hope have access? I mean, I, I, I would love for everyone, including children, because um, one, one thing that I've been talking a lot about about this play is that currently in this country, we're, we're experiencing revisionist history and also the erasure of, uh, erasure of history. Is that, is that the right word? And, and I, I worry about children not knowing what happened in our country's history, especially because I am married to somebody who that matters a lot to, and it means a lot to him. We actually have had a couple of kids come see the previews. And so 
for me, it's also the next generation that I really want to have access to this show. And 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 the show that Warren has has written, I think is is very accessible even to kids. Um, we had a ten year old the other day that came and she said. I almost cried. I didn't quite cry, but oh man, I almost cried and it was really good. So I, I love that, you know, we're, we're potentially teaching the next generation what happened, but in an accessible way where they can see themselves in the characters. And I think that that's what's brilliant about Warren's writing is that he makes all of these history lessons accessible because they're happening to people that people care about. And because the price point at the Victory is, is relatively low, we're not talking about Broadway pricing. We can have, you know, a very diverse audience because it's not going to exclude people who, you know, can't afford $300 theater tickets or or whatever. I don't, I don't know what Broadway prices are, but you know, we're very accessible at the victory. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't far off if you want to sit in the orchestra. That's. <laughs> well, you can, you know, the interesting thing is you can figure out ways to get lower price tickets in New York, but it's, it, it takes, even that takes a skill set. You know, exactly. so, yeah, I, I, I do think, especially when we're now entering a time where people are trying to erase history as quickly as they can, especially racial history in this country is getting erased and books are being removed from libraries and stuff. I, I, I'd like to, boy, would it be great if this play could play high schools at some point, you know, mm -hmm. but that's that's me getting greedy. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, shoot for the moon, go for it. It's I, I think you 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 both are on the absolutely right track it it sounds like an important piece of theater that needs to be done needs to be seen needs to be learned you know um and i'm and looking online and student tickets are 15 dollars, and mm -hmm. general tickets are 25 dollars. you can pay more and they would like you to but that's what you can buy a ticket for so that's that's accessible that's less than a movie oh, yeah. Well, I want to change things up now, and I want to give our listeners a chance to get to know you a little bit better. And I want to start by asking you, what shows, playwrights, or composers have inspired you or do you love? And Austin, if I can start with you on this question, that'd be great. Oh, goodness. I mean, the favorite, my favorite play that I've done before um, Homefront, because this is now my favorite, was uh, Cindy Lou Johnson's Brilliant Traces. It's I just had lunch with Cindy Lou Johnson about- You did not- I did. I didn't. I didn't know you liked Cindy Lou. She's an old friend of mine. Oh my! I okay, Warren. You just like you just got really bumped up in my book. This uh, that's my that's the that's the my most proud moment as an artist to date was was doing that show. I had always wanted to do that show, and I I got tired of waiting for somebody else to to do it and cast me. So I just decided I will do it myself, and I produce it by myself and. Um, well, obviously with another actor. And then uh, then we did That's that. At, That's a great, it's a great play. Um, so I'm a huge fan of her of her work because it's it's so complex and so raw. I also, of course, love Ar Arthur Miller. You know, who doesn't? Yeah. Oh, gosh. I mean, I could just sit and rattle off a bunch of playwrights. But I mean, honestly, doing All My Sons and doing uh, Brilliant Traces are, are the two things that I I have loved the most about my artistic journey thus far. And then Homefront is bound to be just at the top of that list by a mile. I, I care more about this production than I think I've cared about anything in my whole life. And Warren can attest to how much I've annoyed him about doing this play over the last like many, many years. 
It's um, endless. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, go away. But I just, I, I don't know. I just love the theater so much. And so to be a part of, uh, of, of this is just, it's extremely special. I love that. Warren, how about you? What shows playwrights or composers have inspired you? Well, you know, I, when I was a kid, I couldn't afford or didn't go. My family did not go to theater. We, we, we I watched sitcoms. So, <laughs> you know, sitcom. <laughs> that was my summer vacation was watching sitcoms. Uh, so, so theater came to me kind of later in life, and I'm lucky enough now to to be a Tony voter. So I see everything. So I, I and that's it's kind of a reverse education. I, I just saw. Adrian Kennedy, the uh, Audrey McDonald doing Adrian Kennedy's play, mm-hmm. The Ohio State Murders, which probably I, is not a good Christmas play. Maybe that, 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 <laughs> but it, it's, <clears throat> that's an amazing play. I liked The the Humans by, by Stephen Karam. I thought it was great. I liked Stephen Adley Gerges a lot. I like Lynn Nottage a lot of contemporary playwrights. I think she's brilliant. I'll go see anything she writes. Tennessee Williams is, is, is is very moving to me and there may be echoes of him in in inside man i i don't think they were intentional but i think they're there i didn't realize until i saw saw a few of his plays after side man i was like oh oops uh, <laughs> uh, um, but you know I, I i i like a variety of things what i i and actually i just saw leopold stott is a great play but i, I don't always like stopper because i think he can be oh i love Stoppard. intellectual then what I liked about Leopold Stott was was he revealed a little bit of himself and and went to a, a deeper emotional level instead of playing it all up up here. So I like plays that that move me emotionally more than crossword plug puzzle plays. I call them, you know. Uh, um, so that, but that's uh, and I'm I'm a sucker for a good performance. You know, uh, Audrey McDonald in this play, uh, Ohio State Murders, is I, I don't know what I I don't understand what I'm watching. I don't understand how she holds it together for this. 75 minutes it's a monologue essentially and yeah. it's with i mean nice little pieces for other people in it but she's stunning in it so i uh musically there's a, a range of musicals i like i like like the prom was a great musical underrated nice <laughs> musical you know you i'm not a fan of this is good heresy but like I'll, I'll go see phantom of the opera it's like i can't i don't understand what's going on wait he's dead i don't get it so <laughs> I, I i literally can't i don't i don't know something shuts off my but i i like uh, uh again these little smaller uh little music like evan hansen was a small beautiful mm. musical that made me cry i went with an english director and i was crying all the way through it and he sat there and said it's very good <laughs> and I was like, oh boy! But so I, I, I want to go to the theater and 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 go on an emotional journey, or 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 get to know a world I didn't know. So I, I like sometimes I love seeing a play by a, a foreign playwright just because it's different. Anna in the tropics, or something, you know, just or 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 disgrace was an interesting play about race in America too. So yeah. the, you know, there's a range of plays. I, I'll, I'll go see. I wish I. The, the odd thing about being a Tony voter is you don't get to see things off Broadway and off off Broadway because if you're going to do your job correctly, you have to see everything that opens, and mm. that doesn't leave much time, especially if you have two kids like I do. Like, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll do I'll do uh, uh, this is a, not to complain, but I'll do Wednesday matinees and Sunday matinees so I can get home and make dinner, you know, and and so it's it's I don't get to see everything I'd like to see. Oh, I'm a big fan of David Lindsay Bear too. I think he's can be brilliant, but. Um, oh, the, I'm the, also a huge fan of Kushner. 
but his oh, stuff yeah. is Kushner's so long. Kushner's not bad. <laughs> I think he's got. A, I think he's. I think he's got uh, this writing I, I thing have down. Top Dog Underdog tomorrow. I'm really looking forward to seeing the revival of that. Susan Lloyd Park is another terrific. You know, I mean, we're 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 living in a time where they're just. And Bruce Norris is an interesting guy. We're, we're living at a time where there's too many good playwrights and not enough places to for them to get their productions up. Yeah. I, I don't know. Whatever I see tomorrow will be my next favorite play. <laughs> but Tracy Letts also can be a killer. Yeah. Mm. So, you know, we're having this great conversation about current theater. I want to ask, is there any great theater either of you have seen lately that you might recommend? Uh, Warren, you've already mentioned like Leopold Schott and Ohio State Murders. Oh, Are Piano Lesson. The August Wilson revival is beautiful. Wow. Yes. Uh, that's just stunning. Uh, and Samuel Jackson, having now premiered the play as as, uh, as a Willie Boy and the, the young mm -hmm. kid in the play, and now at the other side of, of of the arc of his performing life, playing the old man, it's just fascinating to me. To you know the, the, that line about sooner or later we play all the parts, mm -hmm. and and he does, and he's beautiful in it, and that that production knocked me out. Have you? I don't know if you've. you've uh, I did. It was amazing. I love, and Danielle Brooks is. Whoa, whoa. Oh, I love her. <laughs> and August Wilson also, you know, not yeah. a bad writer. Yeah, he's, he's I think, yeah, I his stuff him. stands up. <laughs> um, awesome. Anything you can recommend? Well, I actually went to uh, the reading, the first table read of the next play at, at my other theater, the Ruskin Group Theater, for their uh, revival of Picasso at the Little Penagil by Steve Martin. And oh my goodness, it is going to be hilarious the cast is is phenomenal i have to put a plug because my husband's in it but um <laughs> but it is <laughs> i know we, we've we've dealt with a little bit of tragedy in our family recently so my spent the better part of the end of last year in new york city so he couldn't be here for for the rehearsals but the, yeah the, that cast is just going to be epically hilarious um and we've actually already done that show at the ruskin i think it was in like 2004 that we did it and it's it's just going to be hysterical so that opens like late february mm -hmm. not not in competition with us <laughs> <laughs> well what is your favorite part about working in the theater on austin uh, i'll start with you with that how long do i have <laughs> um <laughs> my favorite thing is i mean you know as you know there's not much money in theater out here in los angeles so i've had to yeah. do <laughs> I have to do, you know, film and television to keep myself able to eat. But everything moves so fast in, in that medium that you don't actually have the time to really dive in and figure out like what makes a character tick on a cellular level. And that's what I love about theater is that you just have the time, you have the space to allow things to breathe. You can make discoveries, you can have discussions, in-depth discussions with the director and the the other actors. And in this case, we were fortunate enough to be able to talk about that with the playwright, um, which is not always possible because sometimes they're no longer with us. But to be able to fully flesh out what has caused a, a character to behave the way that they do and, and what kind of life path that they've, that they've led that might influence their behavior in this moment, you know, because we all have certain moments of regression, right? Where, you know, some person's personality takes us exactly back to where we were with our, our own father or stepfather or mother. And that's what I love about the theater is that you have the time to really explore and discover and figure out if something works, figure out if, you know, if maybe that doesn't apply here. 
that's why I love the rehearsal process because it's all about play and discovery. And I mean, that's why we call it a play, right? We don't call it a, you know, a, a work. We call it a play because that's what we do as kids. We, we step into other people's shoes and, and just fully allow ourselves to, to let go. And that's what, that's what's able to happen in theater. I feel that is not really present in definitely not in television and, and very rarely in movies. Yes. A thousand times. Yes. Gotta love the playing that happens in the theater. <laughs> Warren, how about you? What is your favorite part about working in the theater? Being in the re room, being in the rehearsal room. I, it's never really fun to write. You know, uh, I mean, sometimes you, you get a good day and it wasn't bad, but it, it it's being, you know, I I was I had five that I flew out uh, in December and I had five or six days with the cast, six hours straight, no break. Turn your phone off. It's no interrupt, and you're just focused. And 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 you can layer so much more in when you have that that attention to detail from the actors and that thoughtfulness and that there's lots of things that are often in my scripts. And when you do look, I've just spent 20 years at, at Wolf Entertainment, you know, off and on at Wolf Entertainment, and we do really good work over there. But but things get missed all the time. You can tone a script with the director, but you're not on set, and you have. You might have a nice scene, a five-page scene or a three-page scene. Usually these scenes are even shorter and shorter now. And the rehearsal consists of reading it out loud once. We'll say, okay, everyone, let's hear the words. And then they read it out loud once. And then everybody starts blocking it, trying to figure it out. And then the, the first team goes away and the, the, the stand-in actors come and move for life. And maybe if you're lucky on the sixth take, somebody finds something, that, because they're really good actors and they're used to this process, they find something that that pops that that you were hoping they would find but you don't have you don't have the luxury of of letting the characters sit you know I'll, I'll have people come and on their first day as a guest they have their most emotional scene at 7 a.m on their first day and it drives me crazy they don't even know who they're playing yet you know if i'm lucky they've had a good meeting with the costume designer who's talked to them about character i don't get to talk to them too much and 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 it's you know everyone is so talented it works out but the the luxury of being in the room and going, wait a minute, doesn't this echo that? What if, you know, and 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 reinforcing things and saying, I, I always thought that, or, or, and I also love what actors bring that, you know, they at a certain point, and we're, we're, we're past that point now with Austin and this cast knows their characters better than I do. So when they bring up something, because they're inhabiting their character and trying to rationalize every choice I've written, they know their characters better. So when they bring up something, I don't get annoyed the way a lot of my writer friends do. <laughs> <laughs> they just, actors want to talk to you about their character. Yeah, they know their <laughs> character. So I, I, it's like, oh, that's an interesting point. I hadn't thought about that. Let me stew on it. And sometimes I'll say, I, I, I can't make that work. I don't get it. Sometimes I'll go, what if we did, what if we banked that term? Would that be easier? And I love that process. And I like working with sitting a few seats away from the director and kind of, not you know there's a if you trust each other that's a wonderful thing and and you just sometimes you don't have to say anything and you look and she goes i know i know <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes a, a little shorthand and you just watch it evolve it's like good slow cooking you know i i, I can cook a fast meal but when i really spend two or three hours on something it's a better dinner you know okay. <laughs> um so uh to me it's it's a, it's similar to that process, to the to, to letting things stew. Love that. 
Well, as we wrap things up, I want to ask my favorite question for my guests, which is what is your favorite theater memory? And Warren, if it's all right, I'd like to start with you on that one. Well, it's funny. I mean, it's personal. So it's not about, if it were about another play, it would be as a, my dad was a trumpet player and he was in the pit or in the band of hair when I was a kid. So I think that was the first musical I ever saw. And as a kid, the band was on stage, on a truck on stage. And if my parents got into a particularly bad fight and it wasn't great to stay home, I would come and sit on the truck with the band and watch Hair from the stage. And that was kind of great. So that's the only real musical I ever saw as a kid. But it was, but I, I saw it from the vantage point of, you know, hanging out with the musicians. Uh, and so that, that, but, and then the other thing was, uh, it goes to Sideman, which was, we had a production, it took me forever to get anything. And I finally got a summer production in Poughkeepsie at New York Stage and Film. And um, I hadn't really ever had a production of a full length play before. And, and so we rehearsed it and Michael Mayer was the director and we had this cast and we were all hanging on by threads economically at that point. And, and in fact, one of the guys took the job because he didn't have a place to live in Manhattan and and you got to live in a dorm in, at Vassar while you were doing the play. I mean, it was, and, and Edie Falco was up there and she was waitressing in New York and Frank Wood, who would go on to win the Tony for Sideman was up there uh, and he was teaching mask at high schools in the Bronx. I mean, we, none of us were thriving. And uh, we did about three weeks in a gym that we used as the rehearsal space, you know, with the taped off stage and cheap props and all that. And we were, uh, and then at the end of maybe two and a half weeks, three weeks, you invite the designers in the line designer, the costume designer, the set designer, they come in to see where, where you are and you invite a few other people in, but you've been in this rehearsal room and it's hot and it's sticky and it's, you don't know, something's happening, but you don't really, and, and we did the run through with the shitty props in the, in the gym and it ended, some of the designers were crying. I thought, some, it was the, the, the moment where you realized something was created. Something happened, the play was transformed in those, 20 days, something happened and we'd all done what uh, we, we still all get together. And that was, I think all of us think of that was like the best work we'd ever done. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and there was a brief moment where we all kind of knew it right then. And we didn't know if there was any future for the play and there really almost wasn't for the next three years. But, but artistically, that was the most fulfilling time I've had. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> Austin, how about you? What oh, about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot, Warren. Appreciate yeah, sure. that. I mean, it was it's it's two things. So, watching theater, my favorite memory was a one woman show called Caterpillar Soup that we did at uh, the Ruskin Theater about a professional dancer. Her name's Liana, and she had gone hiking with her boyfriend and climbed a tree to take a picture. And the other side of the branch she was leaning on was rotted, but she couldn't tell. And it broke and she was instantly paralyzed from the waist down. And it was all about her life being a professional dancer, having been suddenly you know, paralyzed and, and what that was like. And that night of theater, I went to see, I saw that show. I can't even count how many times. It, it literally changed my life. Like I actually have a quote, on, I mean, this isn't from the play, but it's just, you know, um, the the caterpillar, just when the caterpillar thought its world was over, it became a butterfly. That cha that play changed my life. Like I have butterflies everywhere <laughs> um, now. I mean, 
it was, it was such a substantial part of, of my, you know, history as an artist of going, this medium can change lives. And so that was a really profound experience for me personally. It was just in brilliant traces because I, the, the fourth wall, the audience disappeared almost every single night. And I was just in an abandoned cabin in the middle of Alaska in a wedding dress going through this wacky experience of this woman who just was so moved by her father and his Alzheimer's that she just couldn't handle life anymore. And my father is, and I, I'm just, I have props everywhere. My dad is my, is my everything. You know, my dad is my, is my trigger for every single emotional foundation that I have. The man is a force. But for me, that play and being in that play and telling that story is just, it, it was, it was the moment in my, in my artistic life that I went, I have to do this. I don't have any choice. I, I can't not tell these stories because I feel like if I don't, nobody will. And I feel like that that's what we are as artists is that we're giving voice to people that, you know, never got the chance. And that's why I love Homefront so much is that like people need to see their, their stories represented in art because then it makes them feel valid. And that's what we do as artists. That's, that's our entire job. Um, and so those two things for, for me in the theater were the most transformative memories that I have. Oh, those are amazing. <clears throat> Thank you for sharing those, Austin. I appreciate it. I didn't I didn't reach Warren's side, man. I, no, I didn't. No, no, no. <laughs> I thought it was good. And it reminds me, <laughs> you know, my uncle was a gay soldier in World War II, and I haven't seen that story told very often. If I don't mm. know if I've seen it, you know, and, and there's monologues in the play that are straight from uh, the last year of his life when he started to really start talking. About, he didn't want to talk about World War II for no, you know, he was one of those guys who came home and and just got on, you know, didn't want. But I had some talks at the end of his life, and I thought there's a line in the play that where he says, uh, "I knew early on that I basically he knew he was different," is, is the term that he uses, and he knew that meant he would always be alone. And to me, that that's hard, probably hard for for someone who's gay today to understand that was what that meant to him in the Bronx in 1935 or something, you know, that, that was the, that was the, 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 the prognosis, yeah. you know? And so, I, I don't know, when you tell that sort of story and it hasn't been told, you hope it, 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 people take it in. Yeah. Are there any other productions or projects that you guys have coming on the pipeline that we could plug for you real quick? I have a, a movie coming out at some point this year called The Plus One that I co-wrote and got to act in. Um, it's a zany wedding comedy story starring Ashanti and Cedric the Entertainer um, yeah. and my husband. <laughs> so I think I think that they're hoping that it'll come out in April. We shall see. And anything for you, Warren? I'm working on a musical that I shouldn't. I don't like to talk about things because they never happen. <laughs> but I'm, I'm so you're working, working on, on a project and we'll just keep we'll keep our ear to the ground. I'm working on a musical. So keep keep your ears open. And I'm working on a TV pilot. But I, I don't know. I, I would say right now, nothing is more interesting to me than coming out for opening night on Friday. And uh, I'm actually bringing my daughters who have not really seen a straight play of mine because they came along after Sideman and who, who does plays and, you know, that kind of thing. 
Um, this would be great for them. Well, hopefully they can be pretty snarky. We just took them to the Grand Canyon. <laughs> to the Grand Canyon they're like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> My last question for you both is if our listeners want more information about Homefront or about you, or maybe they want to reach out to you, how can they do that? Well, Homefront, they can go to the Victory Theater Center.org and theater spelled R E, not E R at the end. The Victory Center.org. <laughs> and and you can or you can probably just Google Homefront Victory and it'll show up. The tickets, I guess, are beginning to sell, so that's a nice sign. But it, it runs through February 19th at the moment. So that's how they can find out about that. Uh, I don't know. I'm on Twitter. God help me at Lauren Light TV on Twitter, but you know, don't, don't, please don't send me a script to read. <laughs> I'm on all of the social medias because you have to be as an actor these days, but um, AustinHighsmithOfficial.com is where you can find all of my stuff and all of the socials are, are linked on there. So you can, you can find everything. Well, my guests today have been the actress. Austin Highsmith Garces and the playwright Warren Light, whose upcoming show Homefront is playing at the Victory Theater in Burbank, California from January 13th to February 19th. Tickets and more information are available at victorytheatercenter.org and that's theater with an R-E. Make sure you get your tickets now. They are selling fast and you do not want to miss, miss this show. It sounds amazing. I'm even half tempted to get on a plane myself and go and see this. I mean, it sounds incredible. And you can also get more information and follow our guests with all their amazing projects by checking out their social medias or their website. And we're going to have all that information posted on the episode description, as well as our social media. Warren, Austin, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You guys have been amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez reminding you to turn off your cell phones, unwrap your candies, and keep your masks on. And keep talking about the theater. In the stage whisperer. Thank you. If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by Jazzar and Billy Murray. You can also become a patron of our show by logging on to patreon.com slash stagewhisperpod. There you will find all the information about our backstage pass as well as our tip jar. Thank you so much for your generosity. We could not do this show without you.